and welcome to episode number 46 of Basha's Thoughts. Today, I was thinking about pressure and stress and from a very particular type of perspective. And I was thinking about what happens if you use this particular perspective and start applying it to all sorts of things. Can it bring some interesting insights to us? So, what is this perspective when it comes to pressure and stress? It is when you look at complex systems, you know, systems that are capable of adapting themselves. So whenever you apply a pressure or a stress, there is an adaptive type of response. And so these kinds of systems can be self-organizing, they can be self-healing, and they can have these types of emergent properties or behaviors or structures. This is the difference that you have between, for instance, a human being and uh, a machine, a man-made machine. Whenever you use your blender, it doesn't become stronger the more you use it. It doesn't adapt to the types of things that you put inside of it. It just wears out over time. Now, human beings are capable of adapting to stresses and we see this, for instance, when it comes to gravity and bone density. When our astronauts go out in space, they lose their bone density because there is no pressure of gravity. There is no stress of gravity. So you have to artificially induce a stress like that to maintain bone mass. On Earth, you constantly have that pressure. And of course, the more you exercise, the stronger bones you can have, the more impact you have on your bones, the stronger they become. So this is an example of a complex system, such as a human being adapting to a stress response. And lately we have seen a lot of work done on hermetic stress and learning how useful it is. And so in society we see all of these types of health hacks pertaining to different types of stress, where you induce a stress through fasting, for instance, where you remove nutrition for a little bit, and then your body has to change its metabolism, become more flexible, and you increase your metabolic flexibility. You deal better with things like diabetes, for instance. So you're less likely to get diabetes if you are metabolically flexible. And we see cold stress where people are taking ice baths or ice showers or just cold showers. And we see heat stress as well with saunas. And we see the benefits of all of these things. Exercise itself is a type of stress on the body. And we have already known for a long time that exercise makes us healthy. Of course, the stress cannot be exaggerated. If it's a chronic stress, then it's not so good for our body. But if it's a stress that our body has a chance to recuperate from, well, then it's a very healthy type of stress in the end. And in the anti-aging community, we have different ways of boosting your 
NAD, nicotinamide adenine dinucleotide. It's a substance you have in your mitochondria and in other places that is very helpful when it comes to creating energy, but it's also related to your genes and gene expression, epigenetics, and it sort of high levels of NAD prevent you from aging rapidly. So you have different ways of boosting your NAD, and this tends to happen with a bunch of different types of stress. So when we apply stress to ourselves, it's a very helpful idea because we can become better and stronger. But we don't really want to apply stress to something or some things that are, in some sense, our adversaries. And yet, if you think about it, if you use this perspective, this way of looking at stress, well, then we are kind of doing this right now, especially when it comes to the pandemic that we are in. So our adversary in this case would be the, um, the virus that we are told about and some of us in, get to experience, unfortunately. And as a way of trying to get out of the situation that the world finds itself in, we are now applying vaccines massively. Most of these are, I'm thinking most of them, although I'm not actually sure, sure about the statistics worldwide, but I know that a lot of them are mRNA vaccines. And how can we think about this in terms of this idea of stress and pressure? Well, a virus can only replicate inside of our body. It doesn't really replicate outside. So it has to first get into our body. Once it's inside of our body, what can stress it? Well, our immune system is a way of stressing the virus. And right now with the vaccines, the mRNA vaccines are created to focus on a particular part of the genetic code of the virus. And it's the spike protein because it's related to how infectious the virus can be. And so with this vaccine, or some people call, call it a pre-vaccine because it doesn't contain the whole virus, only the information about how to make this particular spike protein. Well, when we create this in our bodies, we are actually creating an immune stress on the virus. And it's a very particular type of immune stress. It's particularly concentrated around the spike protein, around how infectious a virus is, or that virus is, because it's a very particular type of spike protein and very particular types of antibodies that our immune system will be making. So this is a type of pressure that we're applying to it. And then we might actually expect a reaction, just like we see in our own bodies. A reaction where we get mutations, because we know that RNA viruses, like the virus that we're seeing out in society now, well, they mutate very easily. And so if there is a large pressure because 
a lot of immune systems will be creating this particular antibody to this particular type of spike protein, well, then we should probably expect to see more infectious versions of the virus coming out soon. So that's an interesting way of looking at things. And it is something that some virologists are talking about and warning us might happen in the future. A lot more can be said around the virus and vaccines and how our immune system might work. And if you're interested, I wrote some of these thoughts on my blog, just because at the present moment, it's difficult to find information that is in any way different from the mainstream type of message that is being broadcasted. And a lot of places are being censored. So it might be difficult to find information that is different and that allows us to think in a wider way about the different aspects of it. Okay, so we need to pay attention how what kinds of pressures we are putting to our adversaries. And there's another thing that I was thinking about and it is what is happening in general in our society. So some of the things that we have been experiencing is a lack of freedom. We no longer have freedom to meet other people, freedom to travel as we wish, go wherever we want, whenever we want. So we have seen a lot of limitations on freedom. And if we look at society, society is a complex system as well. And our minds, how they work, are complex. Even the different types of processes that we have in our mind are complex. And it's so interesting because very often our addictive behaviors are types of parasitic processes that we have in our mind. And they are complex, which means that they try to survive as if they were an entity. And this is why it becomes difficult to get rid of addictions because you do something and then the programming tries to create a situation where it adapts to that particular thing and is able to exist anyway. So even our thought patterns can be complex thought patterns that actually are systems, complex systems themselves that are trying to survive in a sense, trying to continue their existence and they adapt to the stresses that arise. And so since we've seen this lack of freedom or a reduction in freedom, the question comes up, well, does this mean that we're going to see the emergence of um, systems with greater freedom now? Perhaps even greater than we've ever seen before. Will we see the emergence of structures that provide freedom, behaviors that provide freedom, and properties in general? Will we see more freedom as a result of this more controlled and totalitarian direction that we see the world moving towards? I believe that might very well be the case because these tendencies are strong and they are almost global. And so the reaction would be 
that of greater freedom. And so perhaps the current totalitarian types of dynamics that seem to be growing are actually going to be ushering in the age of freedom. I believe that in some ways we are already seeing that. We saw, for instance, a response to the 2008 crisis in uh, the emergence of Bitcoin that started working in January of 2009. I believe that might very well have been a result of the crisis, the economic financial crisis at that time. And so now we see that these kinds of solutions, for instance, solutions where we organized through autonomy instead of hierarchy, are emerging more and more in different ways, in different areas. And so perhaps we will have systems that will be able to create and work in a way where we don't have the hierarchies of power, where we don't have enslavement, where we don't have just one group dictating to the rest what they should be. Instead, we will have each individual reflecting the whole in a way that is very similar to the holographic order, to the way in which we may imagine that everything in the universe works. And so everything will be more aligned with the basic principles of the universe. And that might be less effort because we don't have to work against the world, work against principles of how things work, like paddling up the stream. Instead, we can flow with it, we can align with it. And whenever we reflect the whole, that means that each individual would have more power than they have now, would be able to create, and so they would be a better reflection of the divine. They would be expressing their divine creative nature in a more direct way that does not convey conflict, internal conflict, conflict where you go against parts of yourself, where you create internal wars, and then where you create wars between other individuals. So it's a way of moving into an all-win dynamics, where we move away from competition and into participation. So it's even beyond collaboration, it's participation. We all participate in the same. And in that world, each individual would have greater power would have greater ability to create and do whatever their divine nature suggests to them. And the way to move into this magical world where we are all free individuals, creative beings, able to connect with everyone, knowing who we are, well, the way there into this all-win type of system where we all participate together to create better and better, more and more inspirational things, 
it does not go through war because war is a part of the dynamics that we have been in for a very, very long time that humanity has been in. So that way goes through a different path, I think. We wouldn't try to put up a war against someone who is oppressing, someone who is trying to create a totalitarian regime of control, for instance. Instead, we would look to create the alternative systems, look for the emergence of the alternative systems, and I call this an opt-out culture, where you opt out of the present system and opt into the new type of system, just peacefully changing and starting to act differently, to think differently, to engage in other types of structures. And because we're of where we are right now technologically, I believe that we have awesome opportunities. I mean, right now, the current types of systems that we have are not ones that will be able to survive as they are. And they are systems that are working against what we, in a way, see as healthy and good for us. We have systems that create addictive behavior. They are making us into greater and greater addicts. It's not out of an evil intention, I believe. Just because of how the system works, just because of the nature of corporations and the idea of wanting to make more money, and this is how they survive. So the systems end up being counterintuitive, counterproductive in a sense for us human beings, but not for themselves as entities. And so we may end up with a system that is called healthcare, and it's focused on caring for us so that we are healthy, but in actuality, in the end, it's much more interesting for such a system to create illness, because then it can sell us remedies, for instance. And so such a system, if it becomes strong enough, will be acting strongly, politically, and in all kinds of ways to make sure that we all become chronically ill so that we all need medication all of the time. It would not be interested in any cures, for instance. And we see these kinds of systems right now in the social platforms where we are being hijacked, our limbic system is being hijacked by artificial intelligence together with groups of people working in the attention markets, trying to capture our attention. But in the process of doing that, what is the easiest for them is to create diverse views and very opposed views. And so we have our own personal Truman shows where our own worldview is presented to us through our social platforms. And we never get to experience something that maybe someone with an opposing view, maybe someone who had a slightly opposing view in the beginning and now has a radically different view from us gets to see. 
So we all live in our own little AI-created bubbles of what we think is happening in the world. And we get more and more addicted to dopamine hits, the short taglines. We lose our ability to concentrate and focus. We lose our ability to think about complex issues understand nuances and then we get stuck so we have addictions that are being driven by our current system but of course this system could be made to do exactly the opposite instead of creating the Truman Show that is there to grab your attention for as long as possible it could be created and optimized in ways that would be more beneficial to us. How can we be the best possible persons that we could ever think of being? How can it feed our creativity, our compassion? How can it lead us towards a more enlightened worldview and a more enlightened way of being? These could be very powerful systems. And alongside, we do have the other systems that can help us organize, even in great groups, even massively, even globally. So we can have a global technological society. And so this would move even beyond democracy. Of course, this is beyond totalitarian types of regimes, but it also needs to move beyond democracy, because democracy has its limitations as well. Exactly how all of this would look, I don't know. But I do see the potential of all of this happening right now. Again, this is the butterfly. This is the possibility for the butterfly to come into existence and a tremendous change happen, fundamental change that has not occurred before because we are so interconnected right now, globally, and we have a global civilization, perhaps for the first time. And so the idea of pressure and stress being applied to our entire society seems like one that may have the potential of resulting in something beautiful, something never before experienced, something that brings about a higher level of freedom and I guess over time we will see what will end up happening. Hopefully we can move in that direction. Hopefully the stress will be such that it induces this type of positive adaptation instead of eliminating us. So these were just some ideas around how we could apply the thoughts of stress applied to complex systems to different things around us and think about them. That was it for today. I might talk to you in another podcast episode. Take care.